Okay. <coughs> Revelation chapter 14, continuing in our study of eschatology, specifically the second coming. And um, <clears throat> so this is our second coming, part two, the angelic announcements. And again, where we're at in terms of history future and the flow of uh, the end times and and the flow of the book of Revelation. Uh, what we've got going here now, we're, we're at the, we're at the, la, la, the, you might as well call this the last hour, literally. I mean, it's uh, in terms of the biblical language. Uh, I'm pretty confident that uh, ever since we got into the, uh, the trumpets, we're without a doubt in the last year of the seven years, without a doubt. And we already, we saw about the the scorp those demonic creatures that stung people. That pain lasted for five months, and then now we're in the we're in literally the, the last days, as we would call days. Not in okay. It's like uh, this whole thing's gonna. This, Jesus will be back within a, a few days of what we're reading, if not. I mean, we could calculate in hours if we were there. Okay, um, so we'll just leave it at that. That things time is extremely short. And we just keep that in mind as we read through these things because it's, it's boom, boom. Things are happening fast. They're coming down hard. And we're going to see here that um, it's, like, it's like the world's, the human, humanity on the world at that time, this is last chance. This is the absolute last chance for them. So here we go. The first angel, the angelic announcements, the first one, let's pick it up in Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of waters. We'll stop right there for now. This announcement is the gospel itself. The gospel, euangelion, literally means good news. It's the word translated, it's good news or translated gospel all over the New Testament. Okay, and the word preach, I, I put these in here just to show you the close relationship with these words. Preach, euangelizo, often translated preach the gospel. Okay, and examples of that are in First Peter. We won't turn there, but um, it's it's just a variant of the same word: gospel, good news, and preaching that good news or or giving that good news. That's the that's the uh, the idea behind these words here. Now, <clears throat> that word too is sometimes is simply translated preaching. Okay, in Acts, like in Acts seventeen eighteen, which we won't look. Those are just examples if you want to go see them, or preach as it is here, and in, we look at this, Revelation 10, 7, let's back up real quick, it's close, where it says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then, about sound then, the mystery of God is finished. He preached to, you know, he preached to his servants, the prophets. So, the mystery of God is finished. What mystery is that? That's the same one that was preached to the prophets. Okay, the same one, and again, I mean, we can go back to about, again, you get back there, as soon as the trumpet, the sound, you get into the trumpets, it's, it's, it's just bang, 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 it's coming. It's rolling, times is rolling. And that's the kind of language being used here. Uh, like, 
uh, even back in 10, <clears throat> the mystery of God is finished. <laughs> no more mystery to it. The mystery is finished. Well, everything that was being predicted, even from way back in the Old Testament prophets, it's all coming to an end right here and now. It's all coming to fulfillment. <clears throat> now, the, having an eternal gospel, that the emphasis is, is on the eternal aspect of that, and it's especially when you compare it to the, the fact that the judgment that is right at hand, okay, is that judgment, because so many are unbelievers, that judgment will send literally millions to eternal damnation. So the eternal gospel is held in contrast to the eternal damnation that awaits all who reject. Okay? Eternal gospel. And again, that's the same gospel that's been proclaimed throughout the New Testament. And I just gave a list here of other terms used for that very same gospel. You know, here, Revelation, it's in this passage, eternal gospel, it's been the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, the gospel of the glory of Christ, the gospel of salvation, among other terms. Now, one I want to look back is in Matthew 4, where it says the gospel of the kingdom, because that's, in fact, what's coming next. And <clears throat> so, Matthew four twenty three, because I want to refer also to the four seventeen, and this is the very beginning of the mystery of the ministry of Christ. Matthew four twenty three says, and Jesus was going about in Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And back up to verse seventeen. Same chapter. Again, from this time, again, this is uh, right after uh, the temptation. From this time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What the angel is announcing, flying through the midheaven, is the same thing, essentially. Repent, because the kingdom or the coming of the of the Christ is at hand and he's again he's coming as judge first time he came as the lamb of god this time he's coming as the conquering king and judge of the world okay so <clears throat> and where it says back in revelation 14 uh, where it says flying in the mid heaven well the mid heaven's a term meaning the zenith of the sky, like uh, the zenith of the day where the sun's at its zenith, it's the, the most highest point in the heavens, and that's that's it's described that way, where it shows that it, it tells us that this angel uh, will not go unnoticed, it's going to be in the zenith, it can be it'll be seen and very visible by all who look. All right, it's where they're going to be up there having the, the clearest of view, and then. <clears throat> Who's this message to? Well, it's to every tribe, every nation and tribe and tongue and people. That doesn't leave anybody out. We start saying that repetition like that, tribe, tongue, pip, 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 you just start rattling off. It's just like saying, hey, nobody's going to miss this message. Everybody's going to hear it. And if that sounds familiar, do you remember in Matthew 24, 14? Let's look there because one of the one of the points that's going one of the things that's going to happen 
Matthew 24, 14 says, I'm in 25, so that won't help me. Okay, 24, 14 says, and the, the gospel of the kingdom, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the, in the whole world for a witness to all nations, and then the end shall come. So that gospel is going to go out, and every person out there is going to get it, is going to hear it, is going to hear it. Now, and again, when he says, verse 7, it says, and he said with a loud voice, again, loud voice, he wasn't hidden. He didn't go around, no whispers here, in a loud voice. Again, it speaks of two things. It's a strong sense of urgency. Why? Because this is the world's last chance. This is it. There will be no more gospel. There will be no more time. You, it's either now or never. It's, that's it. That's it. And then fear God and give Him glory. Again, as opposed to what were they worshiping? Who are they fearing? Who are they worshiping? Satan, Antichrist. Remember Revelation 13? But matter of fact, that we're here. Let's look at Revelation 13. 4 through 8. <clears throat> and they worship the dragon. We, we know him as Satan from that study when we were in there. Because he gives his authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? Well, they're about ready to find out. Okay, they're about ready to find out when Messiah comes back and among other things else, the Antichrist will be dealt with as well. Now, back in verse 7 of 14, he says, I'm going to read that again. He said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. Why? Because the hour of his judgment has come. The hour of his judgment has come. It's it. That's it. Time is run out. Time is out. I mean, this is almost like their two-minute warning. This is it. This is it. Make it or break it. You're, it's, it's it. There, there's no time to dilly-dally, so to speak. <clears throat> and what else you and Judgment has come. And what, is, what does the angel say? And worship him who, who, is, who made the heaven and the earth and the and sea and springs of water. In other words, it's a a call to repent and worship the one true creator God of the universe. Everything else in this world other than the one true God is a false religion and a false religious system and it's all going down. Matter of fact, when we get into the part about Babylon, the whole system is just going to be imploded and destroyed by our Lord. Now, 14.8, the second angelic announcement. And another angel, a second one, followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. It's an interesting statement there. Babylon, fallen, fallen. Again, Double, double. It's kind of like when Jesus had something of extreme importance, he'd say, verily, verily. <laughs> well, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. The repetition underscores the certainty of it and the finality of it. Babylon is coming down. 
Now here's what I'm going to take a little bit of a look at. Now we're going to see this more as we move through, but I really don't want to spend a lot of time on, on Babylon itself because it's going out, okay? But Babylon originally, way back in Genesis 10, originally founded by Nimrod, Genesis 10. And it's kind of important to know that because... With, with the name Babylon comes a whole picture of, and we'll see when just by looking at it. Genesis 10, verses 8 to 10. Now Cush became the father of Nimrod. <clears throat> he became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Eric and Akkad and Kelin, Kelna in the land of Shinar. land of Shinar is um, over where we know Babylon to be, along the Tigris-Euphrates River area. Back in those, they called the, the Great Fertile Crescent, where the beginning of mankind is, according to the, a, lot of, a lot of folks. Remember that in ancient history. This was also, we keep moving forward now, Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, and here's where Babylon becomes important, as a, especially in a, in a symbolic sense, too. <clears throat> it was the first, this area here, the Tower of Babel, this was the first organized system of false religion. Organized. It wasn't the first false religion, but the first organized system of false religion. And again, when you look at Babylon, Babylon, Babylon is falling, and when we get later on, we'll go into a little bit more. But think of it for now in this terms that when you look at Babylon, it's kind of like the, um, the connection between a false religious system and a very corrupt political system, merging together and perverting the nations, perverting the world. And we've seen pictures of these things throughout history, but this is kind of the ultimate, the ultimate. And then... Um, in Babylon, in verse Revelation 17, uh, 5, it says, Babylon is also symbolic for the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Okay, and we'll deal with that when we get there. But in Genesis 11, it says, Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. And it came about as they journeyed east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And, and, <clears throat> and they used brick and stone, and they used tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose, whose top will reach up into heaven. Oh, yeah. Let us make for ourselves a name, that we, lest we be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't want to be scattered. We want to keep our nice little tight religion and our nation and whatever we want to call ourselves. Get it together. Well, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of, sons of men had, had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language, and, and this is what they begin to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, and it's the same Hebrew word that is translated Babylon, by the way. So it's not a different word. It's the exact same one. 
Um, <clears throat> like we saw Babylon and other passages of the Old Testament, same, same exact Hebrew word. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, from, from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So, there you got, mankind was saying, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to make our, with our one world government we've got here, we're going to make a one world religious here with it, and we're just going to be this, and God says, no, you won't either. <laughs> so he came down, and the one thing they really had in common was a common language, right? And so God just divided the language up to how many dialects and sects, we have no idea, it doesn't say, but it was enough that they would scatter. All of a sudden, they could not communicate. And you know, and you know how people are when they see see or even hear somebody different. Uh, that guy's different. You can kind of see him, like, you know, I don't. They're different. I don't know if I want to hang with them. You know, and so that just kind of people just start moving apart. Well, that was God's plan, moving apart. And quite frankly, the only true way of any people to gather together any type of true unity is through the gospel. Now, is it true it must have taken a long time to build that tower? No, it's no, I I would I would only I would guess what it would take, but yeah, it was something to have to build. Of course, you had the whole world building it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were building it. Uh, how long it took? Of course, that really is the, the issue. It, it, uh, the, the, the Lord scattered them a lot quicker than they built that. So, and that was the main point. And they just, my, my personal opinion is it never got finished. It, it just, it just went on. And there's archaeological evidence of that thing too that's hanging around out there to this day, actually. Now. Revelation fourteen nine through eleven, we get <clears throat> the the third angel, and this one's a final warning. This, I mean, big warning with the gospel, call to repentance, and now on top of that, which included a warning, and now here again they're getting a final warning, and this will this 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 is it, this is it nine through eleven, Revelation fourteen. And another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their, and their faith in Jesus Christ. And I'll just stop there for now. <clears throat> Actually, I went too far. But, saying with a loud voice, again, very loud, loud, nobody missed this. Final warning. And the final warning is just everything I read. If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark, evidently there's still some out there that haven't done that yet. And you can see, we're talking about, remember that first angel? He's circling the globe. Now the Antichrist, while he was the world power, he didn't, and scripture doesn't say that, 
he, that he ruled the entire earth. No, that was not. He was not the only ruler out there. There were other. There's other kings mentioned. They're lesser in stature, but he did not have full domination over 100 percent of all humanity that's going to be alive on the earth. He had a, over the bunch around him, and people that defied him were killed. But there were other people out there who worshipped Satan and the beast. Remember, this is a big earth. Big earth, big population. It wasn't everybody. There are people, or there will be people out there that haven't bought in yet and are somehow making it. They're on the edge. Who knows? You know, people are wondering, what, which way do I go? Well, this last warning is telling which way they need to go because the pressure is mounting and... <clears throat> time is running out. Time, well, time is out. It's not running out. Time is out. And they're saying, don't. Don't do it. And why? Verse 10. He will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Well, the person that goes the way of the beast, the Antichrist, is, is going to receive the wine of the wrath of God. And that's a term that, that, that describes the full onslaught of God's divine wrath there's no escaping it there's there's no getting away from it there's nothing that can stop it it's coming and it's devastating and this wrath is directed at all those who worship the beast and basically it's saying and it begins now and we'll see that next week where the, the it begins it begins and it hits it just it just slams them one huge judgment after another Boom, boom. I mean, like I say, we'll we'll see that next time. Now, <clears throat> look at Revelation, uh, Revelation fourteen, uh, fourteen to twenty, and Revelation fifteen seven all the way through sixteen twenty one, which we're not going to read today. That describes the wrath of God that's going to hit. Now, there's another thing in there where it says um, the fire and brimstone in verse 10. Um, <clears throat> fire and brimstone. Doesn't that, does that sound familiar at all? That's what, uh, that's what God used to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were totally wiped out, with a few exceptions, a few people that Lot and others that God took out of there. I don't think I got. We don't need to turn there. We all know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. We all know it. We don't need to turn there. Now, the blessed is twelve and thir- verse, verses twelve and thirteen. And this may sound like a weird heading, but blessed are the dead in Christ. Blessed are the dead in Christ. Verses twelve and thirteen. Here's the persever- perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. Let's stop right there. The perseverance of the saints, and how are they described? Those who keep the commandments of God and, by by implication, keep their faith in Jesus. That That is it. Keep the commandments of God. True saints are characterized by their continued obedience. It's the way it's always been. Look at Psalm 1. Let's look at Psalm 1. 
I believe I don't believe it's a mistake <laughs> that Psalm one is put as Psalm one <laughs> in the first place where you start off. I mean, right here, it describes the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous, the saved and the unsaved. It's right off the bat, right off the bat, they're described. Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and, it, and in whatever he does he prospers. Now, that's not a prosperity gospel, by the way. <laughs> They're talking prospers spiritually, spiritually prospers, not like, you know, stay in the word and you'll be rich. No, it's not what it's saying. <laughs> it's you'll prosper spiritually. Verse four says the wicked are not so, but they are like the like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. They're going down. That, that truth is, it's been here ever since the fall. That's the way it is. You've got the righteous and the wicked, the saved and the unsaved. They're going two different directions. It's two different directions. And two, <clears throat> the next one where it says the perseverance of the saints Now that term is synonymous with the security of the saints or the security of believers, eternal security. It's called a lot of things. Let's look at John 10, one of my favorite passages that talks about this. John 10. These are one of those passages. Keep John 10 in mind if you find yourself uh, down in the dumps for any, any reason. Go read through John 10. If that doesn't pick you up, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but this, you go to Romans 8, which we'll go to. Yeah, go try that. Try Romans 8 then. Keep, keep moving through. You'll get, something will hit. Right. John 10, beginning, we'll just pick it up in verse 14. Jesus is speaking. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know, and I know the Father... And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. And they shall hear my voice. And they will call. They will become one flock with one shepherd. We just move, pop forward to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Again, obedience, they follow. They follow the lead of the Lord. And I give, and I give eternal life to them. Not just life, I give eternal life life and God when he gives some he doesn't take it away "Ah, didn't mean it no no I give eternal life very specific eternal life with all that I lost my here we go to them and they shall never perish why because it's eternal life (laughs) it's eternal alright so you're never going to perish it's eternal and uh, on top of that, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Okay? All this emphasis. Eternal, never perish, nobody can pull you away from me. Okay? 
And then he adds this tremendous statement, I and the Father are one, meaning one in essence. So, but Romans 8, in case that's not enough. In case you're still, in case you're still dragging, let's go to Romans 8. <coughs> These are just blessed, blessed truths for the believers, and the believers only, quite frankly. 828, probably one of the most famous. It's right there with John 3.16 as far as Christians knowing this verse. And we know that God causes all things to work <clears throat> work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. Hmm. Predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. What that's, you know what that's telling us? It's going to happen. <laughs> if you are a true believer, you, we will be conformed to the image of his Son. Period. And if one is not conformed to the image of the Son, that proves that that individual is not one of the called. Okay? See that? See that how that works? And verse 30, Whom he predestined, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified. Remember that word justified? You know, say, judicial term, justified, declared not guilty. Why? Because Christ took the guilt, took our sin, paid the price. Justified, whom he justified these, he also glorified. He says it like it's already happened. Not hardly glorified here, folks. I don't know about the rest of you. <laughs> again, it's one of those terms again that is it's, it's spoken as if it's done because it's that certain. It's that certain. Okay? It's like the judgment in Revelation. A lot of things are spoken as if it's already happened because it's that certain. I mean, both sides of this, of this thing work that way. Verse 32. This section is extremely interesting. This is, this is just some, how about some heavenly logic? We've got some heavenly logic right here. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for, for us all, how, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You see the logic here? It's, saying, it's telling us that <clears throat> he, that's the father, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how will he also in him freely give us, how will he not give us these things? It, it's, it's like he's saying, look, you think... God is going to send his son to the earth, have him hang on that cross, pay for those sins, so you don't make it? You think he's going to go through all that, put the son through all that, and not see it through? That's the logic here of this statement. You're going to make it, because God said so. This is, and he's not going to throw that sacrifice away. And see, that's... The big problem I have with people thinking you can lose salvation. You make light of that sacrifice? In a sense, they probably don't understand they're doing that, but <clears throat> you get what's being said by, oh, you can lose your salvation. What do you mean, God can't pull it off? He said he was going to do it. He said he was going to do it. 
and, and he gave you some re- rationale behind it, <laughs> you know, to, just for some emphasis. Verse 33, who will, who will bring a charge against God's elect? One that's going to stick. <laughs> Nobody. God is the one who justifies. God is just, remember, justifies. God is the one who declares guilt and innocence. Right? It's God that, God's the judge. Verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus? Who's the one? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather he who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father, who, not, who intercedes for... Hang on. I love... This is, the, this is the kind of court I want to be tried in. Where God is the judge who said, I'm not letting him, letting you go, and Jesus is our attorney. How can you lose? Yeah. <laughs> you, see, you see what... See this... This, it's, it's a beautiful thing here. I mean, he's saying God is the one who judges, and before you walk into court, you're declared not guilty. And on top of that, Jesus is in there saying, they're mine. I paid their price. You see that? I mean, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> because Jesus who intercedes, he's our inter- right now he's interceding for us. And just in case we're not satisfied yet. Just in case. Just in case. You never know. How are you doing, Pam? You kill, you're good with it so far? Good. Good. So Let's far. keep going then. All right, verse 35. Who I shall separate us from the love of Christ? Another question. And the obvious, the rhetorical question, the obvious answer is, well, no, nobody. But let's answer it anyway. <laughs> shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. The obvious answer there is no, none of those things. Just as it is written, for thy sake we, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Yeah, you know, if, if we get killed for the sake of the gospel, that actually is a benefit to us, but we won't go on that now, although we will say it in a minute. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. One more thing. You could end it right there, but we got another couple of verses to go through. What? A little more. We've got to put another exclamation point on this thing. We've had about six already, but here's another one. <laughs> For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things under the earth, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if anything else you might think of, it's all there. And I like that one thing nor any other created thing. Well, who created those things? God. He created everything. So there's nothing out there <laughs> that can separate us from the love of God. That's the message. That's the message. I think this is tremendous. Um, like I say, next time you feel down in the dumps, a couple of good places you can go. We won't go. We're kind of running a little bit out of time here. Verse... Uh, Go back to Revelation. Do you think we can? Are they a lot milling around out there or not yet? We got five minutes? We're good. Okay, we got five minutes. <clears throat> we go through here in, in verse 13. It says, I heard the voice telling John to write. And uh, just, a, just, a, just a point of reference. Nine times in Revelation, a voice speaks from heaven. 
Some say that could be God. Some say that might be angels. We don't know for sure. One thing, though, that is extremely interesting, and 12 times John is told to write. And I think that's for our benefit. And sometimes I think John gets, like, probably so intrigued by what he's seeing. <laughs> John, write, write this down, will you? <laughs> but, I mean, because there's so... But we don't know for sure. But he says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed means happy or favored. And I love this. I love this part in verse 13, where it says... Yes, says the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, folks. How often do we have anything recorded that the Spirit himself actually says? Very few. There's, there is one more, though, and it's here in Revelation. And it's at the very end of the book where there's like an invitation giving out to those that read. The, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Spirit inviting... Yeah those who would to salvation okay and here i i just looked at it this way i'll maybe, let me read it blessed are the dead who die in the lord from now on yes says the spirit that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them here's a direct word from the holy spirit yes i call it a word of comfort from the comforter that's how i see it a word of comfort because those who wind up dead, it's not going to be a pretty death, I'm sure. And here's a word of comfort. You will now rest. A great, We've seen this. We'll see it again. A great number, you can read these, of saints will be killed. They will, in fact, be rewarded. And we saw it, too. And, and we saw that in, in Revelation 13, where believers are encouraged to rely on the providence of God during this person and such a good message for all of us remember revelation 13 9 and 10 if anyone has an ear let him hear and those that have the ears to hear are believers if anyone has an ear let him hear if anyone is destined for captivity to captivity he goes if anyone kills with the sword with the sword he must be killed here's the perseverance and the faith of the saints Mention that again. Perfect. In other words, believers are encouraged to rely on the providence of God. It may be your destiny to die for the gospel. You know that? It's theirs. Let's look at, well, let end in 2 Timothy. Paul is an example of just this thing. 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 8, where it says, but... Again, this is, this is Paul's last letter. He knows it. This is written, you might just call this letter was written to Timothy on death row. He says, You be sober in all things, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He says, Why? Well, for I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. That means his death. And let's pick it up in verse 16 of chapter 4. At my first offense... No one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, out of the, out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, this is what Paul, Paul was, 
put his faith and reliance on the providence of God. He just told us he's, about, he's being poured out as a drink offering. He's going to die. He's on death row, and he knows it. He knows he's on death row. As a matter of fact, you can look at 2 Peter chapter 1, 13 to 15. When Peter wrote 2 Peter, he was in the same situation. Peter, his end is near too. But anyway, but this is it. What, and what uh, Timothy was, or what Peter, or Paul, if I keep going through the list, I'll hit him. But, <laughs> but what, what Paul is telling Timothy is to say, I know where I'm at. I'm on death row. The Lord's brought me through all these trials and temptations and would-be killings <laughs> to this point. He's brought me to this point. And but one thing I'm count, he's counting on is like the message from the Holy Spirit, that the comforting message from the Comforter. Know this: heaven awaits you; better things await you. And that's why he also could say, Paul, in this very same passage, for he knows that for him is laid up a crown of righteousness. And he says, reward. And that's why the Holy Spirit said in Revelation, and he knows your deeds as well. Reward is coming also. So much, much better times are coming. And my time is up. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your comfort. And we pray these all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.